Hello and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the grindhouse films of the VHS era. Tonight we are talking about the 1970 ultra-obscurity Janie. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, it's been quite a while since we covered a serial killer character exhibition. Although we have discussed many, this one does stand out as a pornographic music video. If if you'd like to experience the video store nightmare of teenage hormones colliding with Pierce Lee's, then as of this broadcast, you can find 1970s Janie nowhere on streaming. This this is another hipster episode, folks. I apologize. This film doesn't even have a wikipedia page allegedly it used to be on youtube but the man took it down so now your best bet is either a 12 dollar dvd or borrowing a friend's backup copy luke how much does this vhs run on the world wide web i don't think this was ever released on vhs i have a bootleg copy then how did it ever make it to dvd uh, the dvds are all bootlegs yeah i really don't know I don't, I don't know why this movie fell into obscurity. That's, that's like a bug going from egg and then like skipping larva and going straight to bug. <laughs> how, how does this happen? How did they skip a VHS? I, I mean, it, it, to my knowledge, this has never been officially released by anybody. Um, and I'm not sure why that's the case. It could be that uh, no distributor ever wanted to pick it up, and then it was just kind of lost to to history. Um, or or maybe uh, you know it was shelved by a production company and forgotten about. I, I really don't know. But just like Cave of the Sharks, we we have a situation where the only way you can watch this movie is, is by finding a bootleg. Somehow, I don't think this would find its way into an Italian TV station. No, nah, but luckily. Somebody got a copy and put it on the DVD that I was able to watch for this episode. At the uh, beginning of this film, in the credits, it mentions that this film was produced by the Janie Film Company. I'm assuming this is the only film they produced. Yes, although the the people who produced and directed this movie uh, are fairly well known in exploitation circles. So to go through them... The actual directing of this movie is a little bit unknown. Uh, reading reviews and doing research, I saw at least three directors credited. The one, the one who got his name on the film is Jack Brofman. Uh, he is most famous for directing the Canadian John Michael Thor uh, starring vehicle Zombie Nightmare, uh, which is... It brings some campy enjoyment, uh, but I certainly wouldn't say it's good. It was probably at least partly directed by the um, director of photography, Roberta Finlay, who's probably the most well-known of the, the cast and production team. Um, she was a director and producer and actress who made quite a few uh, horror and sexploitation movies. Um her husband is also sometimes credited. This is Michael Finlay. Michael Finlay was another exploitation director. Uh, incidentally, both Roberta and Michael have acting parts in the movie. Were they Janie's like mom and, and stepdad? No. So the Roberta is the is plays Roberta. She's the dad's new girlfriend who okay. we see at the end of the movie yeah. and Michael Finlay is the guy whose pool Janie swims in. Okay. I, I interestingly, a couple of years after this movie was made, um, Michael was, was beheaded in a freak helicopter accident. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, he invented a handheld 3D camera, and he was about to fly to France to try to market it to some investors. And before they were able to take off in the helicopter, uh, 
the platform beneath them collapsed, causing the helicopter to fall over sideways and behead Michael. Helicopters are scary, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tragedy. Like outside of like military application, I really don't understand the the uh, why you would want to get near a helicopter. I I guess like news reporters use them and filmmakers. Yeah, but like as a as a as a civilian, you know, going like going on like a helicopter tour. I don't know. Just I don't have a fear of flying. And I probably would still get on a helicopter if I had to, but I would not go out of my way for it. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. Have you been in a helicopter before? I have not. I have, but only for short periods of time during those like tourist helicopter ride activities. Anyway, let's talk some more about this movie. So um, (laughs) Roberta Finlay also does the voiceover narration throughout the film, which is one of the more interesting uh, qualities here, I think. So this movie is not big on plot, but basically we have a a teenage nymphomaniac slash straight-up maniac, uh, murderess, who is going around killing people on her way to reunite with her father, who she has an incestuous relationship with. That's pretty much the plot, right? That that covers it. And over top of this exercise in cinematic bad taste, we have Roberta Finlay doing a voiceover narration that sometimes in the second person, like talking to Janie, and sometimes in the first person, so it's clearly like some sort of alter ego or inner voice that Janie has. Um, and then we also have, overlaying the entire film, a improvised acid rock soundtrack by a band called The Fear, who I can find nothing about. Um, there is no soundtrack or anything for this released. Uh, but I quite like the music. This really does seem like a album you would have on vinyl somewhere. I wish. I love this music. What did you think of the the score, if it can be called that? I feel like they didn't really plan anything for this film, for the music. I think they just took this rock band, got them into a studio, and just said, pump out an album for like an hour. And they ran with it. There, There's maybe two points in the entire film where the music actually subsides a little bit. Everywhere else, it's a constant stream of... It just sounds like you're listening to an album with a movie in the background. Yeah, it's. I've never seen another movie quite like it. I'm going to read to you... Um, in the past, we've talked about Stephen Thrower's book, Nightmare USA, about independent horror in the United States. And he has an entry on this movie. And I'm going to read to you a... A portion of it. Uh, I disagree with this, but it is interesting. He's going on and on about how sleazy the, and, and wonderful the film is. And then he says this. It's the soundtrack, though, that really messes things up. Basically, a 60-minute jam by a noodlesome acid rock group called The Fear. It plays continuously throughout the film, seemingly unedited, veering from pedestrian riffing to increasingly tiresome freakouts. The fear drizzled their racket all over the film from start to finish. It's possibly the most obtuse and unsophisticated use of film music I've ever heard. Ten minutes would have been a trial. Sixty is just a bummer. Imagine the Jimi Hendrix experience reconfigured as a thumsy instrumental outfit by three talentless hippies given vast amounts of dope, and then told they're fantastic. So I disagree, but I found that uh, entertaining to read. I'm not musically inclined, but maybe he does have a point where there's some kind of issue with the execution, where if you know how to play those instruments, maybe they're just not doing anything fancy. But that doesn't matter to me. As a, as a, ca- as a sonic caveman, I don't care about that. So I would say that... Um, 
I, I like a lot of experimental and psychedelic and progressive music uh, of this ilk. And I don't like it when a band sounds too symphonic or rehearsed. Like a lot of prog music I dislike for that reason. It's too clean. I need some messiness in my music. Like I need some notes that don't quite follow and and some playing that's not quite uh, at the tempo. Um, this is sloppy. It's just sloppy improvised music. Uh, but I really enjoy it. And, and I think it fits the movie really well. 100% fits the film. Although I will say the sound balancing is very off in a handful of scenes. Yeah, there are scenes where there's not even an effort made to match the dialogue to the people's mouths. Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but when we do get introduced to the father, this man is already a mumbler, and now you have him mumbling lines over an audio track that is probably twice as loud as he be. There's no way I was able to understand what he was saying about 75% of the time. <laughs> just, yeah, just imagine it's like, and then you got like you, you cannot you cannot understand him there is an argument to be made that the music is too loud um although i don't think any of the dialogue in this movie is particularly important but i, I could follow most of what he said granted i've seen this several times so all right as someone who has watched this once and then sat down to talk about it the dialogue that he's saying is probably not important. You can generally infer what he is saying anyway, because you can hear Janie clearly over the music. But still, that is that is an issue if you are sitting down to try to watch this for the <laughs> I'll set it with a straight face for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there isn't much of a plot here uh let's talk about one other technical aspect before we play the trailer um what did you think of like the visuals in this film like let's call it cinematography or um camera work i really like the scene it happens early on and they do like a repeat of it later in the film where uh you have one of the girls undressing in a dark room in front of a in front of a window and it's legit realistic lighting they didn't bring any any lamps or uh you know professional setups at all into this room so the only thing that's lighting up the room is natural sunlight through this window and the sun isn't even coming in through the window it's like the opposite direction so all you see is girl silhouette <laughs> in front of the window and it's probably like super unprofessional it's like not lined up like there's there's no renaissance like angles in this film whatsoever but i still really like that shot i thought it was well done i uh i should start by saying that the the print that we were able to watch of this film it is not in the best quality like no one has remastered this um but on top of that, it looks like uh, a Roberta in filming these scenes put Vaseline on the lenses for every scene. So there's always like this milky haze encircling the, the action, right? Like that's what that be? Yeah, that's what that be. Oh, no, I I know. I thought that was just how how it was. I, I didn't know. No, they used to do it in classic Hollywood films to create like that dreamlike. Um, yeah, yeah. What's the word? Um, like the aura that especially surrounded like glamorous actresses. Right. Like, and, like that's the only thing in the world in focus. Everything else doesn't matter. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right. And, and I think it was done a lot in old porn films. But here it's especially egregious. Uh, I did not mind, though. Um, it's uh, it gives the film a very distinct look. I don't know if I, if I didn't notice because I'm dense or because of the film quality. Either way, it, it didn't jump out to me. Yeah. Um. All right, anything else we should cover before we play the trailer? 
Uh, this is a fan-made trailer because if there's no VHS, there sure as fuck ain't a trailer for it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I wonder if there was like a Grindhouse trailer that just got lost to time or if this movie was just sprung upon unsuspecting audiences. I mean, this is this this did come out kind of during the golden age of pornography, right? Like this isn't this is softcore pornography at best. I mean, we don't even see any sex in the movie, really. I mean, it's just like bed sheets over everything. Um Yeah, there's plenty of of topless women, but that's about it. Yeah. Let me ask this. Who who, if anyone, would you recommend watch this movie? Oh, I mean, I definitely wouldn't like recommend it to anyone on the street. You know, like <laughs> if, I, if I met someone at a coffee shop and they're like, hey, what have you been watching lately? I probably wouldn't mention this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably mention anything else. Um, if if, you know, you are the kind of person that's into this absolute filthy sleaze with no greater messaging behind it then this will go right on your shelf next to all those other classic films that will probably never make it to uh whatever medium comes after digital (laughs) yeah this film is certainly absent any redeeming values whatsoever uh i am not sure first of all i've never seen another movie quite like this and it does not stimulate my mind or like really suck me in or anything. And yet I greatly enjoy it. There is something about this movie that just works for me visually, musically, um, even the way the performances are done. Like it's like this movie was made for some dark corner of my psyche that rarely gets any exposure. And with that, here's the trailer. Janie, you're finally in bed with him, where you always wanted to be. I think about my father. Yeah, I know you think about him, but he doesn't think about you. Roberta? Roberta. Well, I talked my girlfriend Carol into playing hooky with me, and then we picked up a man. Okay, Janie, do it now. Show them some real excitement. Do something real, Janie. Do it now. Both of them over with the car, with his car, and then I stole his car and drove away. I went swimming. I can tell. He's following me. If you play it right, Janie, she can be great fun. Fun for you, Janie. Teenage pig. Without me, your father'd be nothing. And he knows it. Roberta? Roberta. Thanks to Grindhouse Seller for making that trailer. I didn't do any research, so I hope he's not affiliated with like a white power group or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's hope not let's just he's affiliated with this film that's all we need mm. so at the be we start off this film right away with the voiceover by roberta finlay and the acid rock and we're seeing Janie in bed with her father we soon find out and these scenes are interspersed throughout the entire movie. So it's structured as Janie is telling her father while they're in bed about her day. And the voiceover is saying, you're finally in bed with him the way you always wanted to be. And, and this is emphasized throughout the film that this is her longtime dream to, to be in bed with her father. Uh, what were your first impressions like when this movie got started? 
Well, first off, for those of you who have watched Dexter, this voiceover comes off a lot as like a, a dark passenger sort of thing. Sort of, you know, part narrator, part consciousness, uh, you, you know, like a ringmaster in a way, kind of like telling telling Janie what she needs to do and when she needs to do it. I don't think I, I don't think it's immediately obvious that this man is her father. No, it's not, but it. I think you, you'll find out for like, well, you can start to suspect after maybe 10 minutes and then it's like almost basically confirmed at like the halfway point. This yeah, film is only an hour long, by the way. Yeah, it's kind of gradually revealed to you. But when the flashback starts, the first flashback, we get a, vo a, a bit of voiceover narration that I really like. I find it really funny. I don't know if they're trying to be poetic or dramatic, but I find it funny. So Roberta is saying, it's autumn now, your favorite season, a season when everything is dying, when life turns gold and brown and drops from the trees until the whole world is dead, barren, frozen, stiff, lifeless, dead. Autumn is the best season of the year, Janie. It proclaims death to all. This screenwriter has never been south of the equator, or even as far south as Florida, where autumn does not exist. Well, I love autumn. Autumn is my favorite season, but um, I am not quite as morbid as Janie seems to be. Uh, her interest in autumn goes beyond the weather. She wants the embrace of death. So Janie thinks that school is stupid. Um, she calls it an idiotic, lifeless routine. And the, the narrator tells us that all the kids are sitting in rows like dumb puppets, trying to please even dumber teachers. Those kids are all the same, not like you, Janie. They're like animals. All they think about is sex. Which is ironic, because that seems to be all Janie thinks about. Sex and violence, anyway. I mean, your your schizophrenia voice doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be there, right? Yeah. Um, Janie and her friend Carol are skipping school because it's so stupid. They put their bathing suits on, which is the scene you were describing, uh, and they want to go swimming. Um, and the, the Roberta is telling Janie in the voiceover that she needs to do something to make this girl, Carol, realize how stupid she is. Get, get her to make love to a man while you watch. She'll hate it, but she'll do it. You'll make her do it. And so they get this guy to pick them up in his car, and Janie tells him that Carol told her that she wanted to make love with this guy. And uh, then when, And then when they stop... She tells Carol that the guy said if he didn't get to have sex with them, that he would take them back to school and tell their teachers. This is enough to convince her. Yep. She agrees. And she seems very into it. So her and her and this stranger are starting to, to make out and undress in the grass while Janie is watching. And the voiceover is telling us about how people are weak and it's so easy to manipulate people. Did you ever read Crime and Punishment? No. So this, this voice really reminds me of the narrator or the main character in Crime and Punishment, uh, whose name is Raskolnikov. And Raskolnikov has this theory that, like, it's okay to murder people if they're beneath you. Like, if you can prove your ethical or intellectual superiority then what you ought to do with it is manipulate and possibly kill others. Uh, Janie is pretty much like the Grindhouse Raskolnikov. Do you think they were going for that reference? <laughs> I don't know, but I thought we should get literary because that's how high-minded we are uh, here at Video <laughs> Store Nightmares. I mean, the dialogue itself, uh, the internal dialogue is the best written stuff of the whole film. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if Roberta Finlay like wrote it or improvised it. it. It feels like a lot of lines in this film are improvised, except for this voiceover. 
Yeah. And so uh, Janie is standing back watching them and, and thinking like, oh, look at her making a fool of herself. Uh, the, the voiceover is saying they're disgusting that only one man is allowed to touch Janie. And this is presumably her father who she's going to see. And the voiceover is saying that, that this sex makes her sick. And yet Janie starts like rubbing her breasts and um, caressing her body as she watches them. And I actually think the music like fits with the action here. Like the percussion is growing and growing and the pitch and time are speeding up, like building to a crescendo as Janie is getting more and more excited. The music does match for the whole film, but it doesn't feel like they edited it to be that way. So I don't know how how they pulled that off, because it really just sounds like they brought this band in for a studio session and gave them free run of whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, it could be that they were playing the movie while these musicians played. Or what I think is more likely is, you know, that effect where like you can put images on a screen and play music over top of them. And like, it always syncs up to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. You it's, think it's, that might've been the case? Yeah. I think the trick that your mind plays on you, hmm. but it's effective. So anyway, the voiceover is saying, do it now, Janie, do something real, show them some real excitement. And so she gets in the car and drives them over, like runs back and forth over them, crushing them. And we see shots of their bloody bodies as she rubs her breasts. And then she lays back on the seats and starts to masturbate as she visualizes their bloody figures. And this is the movie. This is what the next hour is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Janie has a real... Um, and she gets turned on by these scenes of violence. And there is going to be a lot of repetition of these scenes at, because each time she masturbates, she sees like a montage in her head of all the people she's killed. Do you think they just did that to pad out the running time? I don't think so. I, it, it all seems part of the plan, right? I think it works for sure. Yeah. Um, I just read several reviews where people are like, it's just to pad out the runtime. So yeah, I got to pad out that one hour runtime, huh? Right. No, I think it really works. Yeah, no, no nothing in this film feels like filler. And in, in fact, one of this film's strong points is its short runtime of like an hour, five minutes. Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable past that. Yeah, it, if it was like an hour 20, hour 30, that would have been too much. So we go back to Janie telling her dad this story and she's saying, I, I ran both of them over. And the dad says, why did you do something like that? And you mean and, he says, why did you do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, he's very nonchalant. I, I, I think what we're supposed to think is that he just doesn't believe her. But that's not yeah, how you know, kids, me. they just lie. Kids lie <laughs> as he's yeah. in bed with the kid. <laughs> but anyway, she says, oh. she says, I didn't like it that they were making love. Carol was stupid. I took their money and stole their car. What, what did you think of Janie's performance? Best actor of the film? I mean, not saying much, I guess <laughs> it it isn't so. Janie is played by Linda Vare, who was in a couple other movies, but didn't have much of a career. Uh, she was also known as Mary Jane Carpenter. And it looks like her other films were, were pornographic. But she strikes a really weird balance between actually seeming like psychotic and seeming almost childlike. Like after she kills someone, she like, giggles and bounces up and down and she she reacts exactly like a little kid would react right she doesn't she doesn't ever seem seem menacing no she she does a great job playing her role and especially in in these kinds of um especially in this genre that we happen to keep finding ourselves into where it's the 
character exhibition of a psychopath. You know, you really need your psychopath to to be able to run a one man or one woman show. And she does that. Yeah, I'm happy she successfully pulls that off. I'm happy to spend an hour and five minutes with this this actress. Yeah, for sure. So back to the the um back to the flashback. We see Janie driving in the stolen car, and Roberto's voiceover is saying, Pick a house. They all have swimming pools. Maybe you can get cooled off. And so she stops at this. Well, first the ga- the car runs out of gas. And so she just walks behind this house into the backyard and sits down in a lounge chair and starts to strip. Yeah, the, the disembodied voice picked a house with a great water slide. <laughs> right. Uh, she gets on this slide and slides into the pool and the voiceover is saying, they'll trust you because you're young, pretty and innocent and because they want to get their hands on you. But you can take care of yourself and them. And uh, so she slides into this pool, which is really gross, by the oh, way. It is. Yeah, it looks like a fucking swamp. <laughs> it's it's full of leaves and dirt and looks all like green and algae uh, filled. And the voiceover is saying just the way I like it. Dead leaves in the pool. Yeah, this is a UTI waiting to happen. It's disgusting. Like, I really can't believe this actress got in there. (laughs) I mean, how health conscious were they in the 70s? I don't know, but like, fuck getting naked. I would get naked on camera before I got in that pool. Yeah, yeah, no way. Okay, especially in Florida. In Florida, there are tons of pools. Like, uh, so many houses have pools here. And uh, you can very clearly tell who takes care of their pool and who doesn't because especially in this weather algae blooms prolifically you have to clean your pool on a weekly basis or it'll become quickly overrun i'm assuming this movie was shot in the north where it's not as warm and this shit still happened (laughs) like there's dark shit on the bottom yeah I, i really don't know where this was filmed i think maybe california someplace with like a lot of different climates yeah, some place that can actually experience autumn. But the the guy who owns the house sees her. This is the guy played by Michael Finlay. And he follows her down into the backyard. She walks out on this dock over a lake. And he is, he is wearing only a bathrobe. We have to mention that. <laughs> yeah. And he seems very nonchalant. He watches her for a long time before he goes down there. And he says, don't you know this is private property? What are you doing here? And in, in, to answer, she takes off her top and, and asks him to come into the water with her. You see her conceal a knife in her towel. Yeah, where did it come from? Um, The screenwriter's mind? <laughs> like, she, I don't know where she was keeping it. She suddenly has this knife, but it was not like tucked in her bikini or something. No, we the first time we see it is when she moves her her towel on the ground where she was hiding it the entire time. So she stabs him and pushes him into the lake. And this is when we really see her start to like jump around and giggle and wave her arms for the first time, acting like an excited little kid. It's a very weird. It's very incongruous with what's going on. Kind of weird how no one else saw this. It's broad daylight. Uh it's also the middle of the day, so I guess people are at work. <laughs> I guess that guy's uh, unemployed with his bathrobe coming out. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's Michael Finlay playing himself. Anyhow, we go back to her and her dad, and she's telling him about what happened. And she says, I knifed him and threw him in the water. And the dad's response is, did you dig it? I, th- <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I don't even think I caught that line. And of course, she she lays down in a field and starts to masturbate while she visualizes all the people that she just killed. And Roberto's voiceover is saying, well, that was fun. Did you see the expression on his face when the knife went in his back? What a creep. 
And it keeps emphasizing this idea that like anyone who wants Janie sexually is disgusting and a creep and deserves to be killed, except her dad. Yep, of course. So she's walking because the car ran out of gas and the voiceover is saying that someone's bound to pick her up and that with any luck, it'll be some entertainment. After all, three murders isn't very much for an enterprising girl like you. I really liked that, too. Yeah, that's it was a hashtag girl boss moment. Uh, but sure enough, this woman picks her up and pretty quickly gets to asking if she likes boys. And Janie is saying, no, they're all creeps. And the lady asks her if she'd like to freshen up a bit at her place. And Janie says that she'd love a bath. In, in the world of this movie, like, as soon as you meet someone, they come on to you. At least if you're Janie, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think the world today is that much different. No, I guess if you're, like, a hot 17-year-old girl. That's the, hitchhiking. Yeah, the world is the world is ready to take you to bed. Mm. But um, the voiceover is saying how, like, Janie needs to string this woman along, Um and think of something really good to do to her. And so Janie strips down and um, the girl helps Janie get her boots off. And uh, the voiceover says, look at the way she goes after those boots. You could walk all over her. And as Janie takes a bath, the other girl gets naked and she, she tells Janie that she's a lovely girl. And at first the girl is like, take all the time you want, make yourself at home. But then after a few minutes, she's like, what's taking so long? Because she's gotten naked and is waiting for Janie on the bed. So we're like halfway through the movie. How are you feeling about it at this point? I must have looked up the the general plot of this film at some point when you first mentioned it. Not the plot, but, you know, like a little synopsis. What is this film? Like two months ago. And then totally forgot it. So I went into this movie blind and I'm seeing a bunch of softcore exploitation porn, whatever. And then suddenly she runs over two people. If you went into this just expecting some like sexual teenage exploitation stuff and then got this, you, you kind of don't know where this film is going. Oh, I mean, you definitely don't know where this film's going. When I watched this for the first time, I didn't really know where it was going either, and I kept wondering things like, are we ever going to meet another character? Is the music ever going to stop? Is there ever going... <laughs> the music never stops. <laughs> Is but there if... ever going to be a real conversation? Like but After after Bathrobe Guy gets stabbed and, and dumped in the river, I kind of just assumed this was going to be every scene until the film ended, and you know it wasn't too far off. Yeah, I mean, if my point is that if if you are waiting, as I was, for some semblance of a normal film, it you sh it never comes. No. You should forget about that. There's uh, there's no greater message. This is not a character study. Everything you find out about Janie is at face value. <laughs> it's um, it's a. A fever dream slash psychedelic music video. And that's that's how you have to go into it. Yeah, you could leave this on in the background of a party to, to really mess with people. And that's about it. Oh, that would be a fantastic setting to watch this movie. Yeah, watch this movie when you don't really have to pay attention to something. So the voiceover is saying, take care of this arrogant little life. Give her the thrill of her stupid, arrogant life. And so she comes out and joins the other girl in the bed. And then she starts slashing her up with a razor blade while she bounces on top, leering maniacally into the camera. This is the worst looking scene in the movie. Like, it's really obvious she's not cutting this girl. It looks no, like she's just smearing finger paint on her. Yeah, but I, I don't I didn't have any expectations for anything greater than that. <laughs> No, it's so the the effects, the the makeup, I guess, looks really bad. But I love the actress's performance here where she's like bouncing on top of this girl and laughing. Like she seems genuinely insane. 
Yeah, it's like a cowgirl style, except she's also a like slasher. Yeah. Right. You can definitely tell. Like there are scenes where the the razor in quotations goes across a part of skin, leaves a red, you know, sticky trail, and then the razor goes over the same part and just moves the the color and there's no cuts <laughs> like i think they probably could have made it a little more convincing if they uh refri refined their, their 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 camera techniques but it's it's pretty bad <laughs> but you're not watching this for the gore right and no i'm not sure why you're watching this yeah, why? but i mean i'm watching this because you sent it to me that's <laughs> there's like this movie might not sound like much, but there's like an emergent property of all of the things here. Like the sum is greater. The movie is greater than the sum of its parts, right? Yes. At, at least in my opinion. Right. So we, we go back to her and her dad and she's telling her dad that she killed this girl. And her dad says, oh, you really had a ball today, didn't you? I thought that was funny too. It's too bad the dad mumbles because I thought all his dialogue was great. Uh, yeah, I don't remember any of this dialogue, so I just don't think I understood him. Well, we go back to the flashback and she lies down next to the dead body and starts to masturbate while she has visions of all the people she's killed throughout the day. This is becoming the trend. Why do you think this movie was made? I feel like we've had this question before on, on similar films, right? Where the the entire purpose of the film, like, fuck, like everything we've seen from like Italy, right? Besides like Cave of the Sharks, it's just been like a, like a blood soaked, titty flashing, violent sex romp. Like, who do you market these for, right? I mean, are, are, is this just like a, an appeal to like basic caveman instinct? Are we trying to feel something in like the the, the bland uh, gray landscape of like our corporate dominated lives? Like I don't I don't know. I mean people just kind of want to see this shit sometimes. Yeah, it's it's really odd because normally with a movie like this, and I take that with a grain of salt, there's not really another movie like this that I've seen. But normally with these grindhouse films. There's something about it that I could see appealing to an audience's base desires. Like there's action or there's horror or there's um, like pornography or suspense, right? Like they're, the, the filmmakers are trying to do something. I don't really know what they're trying to do here. It's not sexy and it's not really scary or trying to be well not sexy to us but surely to somebody like uh uh serial killers like is that the audience like, for this film oh, man i don't know but like, you also have to understand uh you know pornography wasn't as prolific and easy to come by as it is today right like now you can just access it from any search engine you can search whatever the fuck you want any any like fetish or inclination easy you can find it somewhere that wasn't a thing back then you kind of just had to take what you can get and perhaps like the whole shock value or was was just like an also an attempt to to try to just sell more tickets everyone's just trying to one-up each other with like messed up like um what do you, what do you want to call this like uh i don't know the, the, the fucked up part of the human experience yeah, I don't I, I like that about the movie oddly though. I like that it doesn't have it I can't really tell what it was going for and uh that makes it more authentic in some way. And there's no irony here by the way. This is played totally straight. Yeah. No. Yeah. So she puts on some of the girl's clothes and she calls her dad. I think she leaves a voicemail. And she's saying that she misses him and loves him and she'll see him soon, that she's on her, her way. And she goes to her house where she lives with her mom and her stepdad. And she watches them through a keyhole as her stepdad beats up her mom and keeps saying that he wants the money now. 
and he slaps her a bunch and strangles her and I can't tell if Janie is upset or if she's laughing as she watches. I think she's laughing. Yeah, she's getting off on it. It it becomes kind of clear because after her mom is killed, she sort of hops away giggling and has some more flashbacks to the murders. Pretty convenient that uh, this horrible domestic violence incident just happens to occur on the same day as Janie's like flowering into violence spree. Do you think she's like, well, he did it for me. I don't have to kill her now. I mean, it wouldn't be seen as a job, right? But she, you know, the, it's not like this, the, the mom has, is coming on to Janie, so she doesn't really fit the, the ideal victim type, right? I guess her friend didn't either. Hmm. Right. Well, he call, she calls her dad again and again says she's on her way to see him. And as she drives, the voiceover narration keeps telling her to drive faster. And then there's a very brief scene where she seems to be getting on a plane. But it's it was odd. I was like, wait, did she have to fly? It was did just very weird. The There's a scene this where she's... Se- okay, after this domestic violence shit, the movie really kicks up into music video montage mode. So there was a lot of jump cuts in this film, and I probably missed something. But I do not remember her getting on a plane. It's very confusing. She seems to be in an airport for like 10 seconds, and then that's it. But anyway, somehow she gets to her dad's house and he's not there, but we meet Roberta. This is her father's girlfriend who is played by Roberta Finlay, who's the same person who's doing the voiceover narration. But we can't really tell that because she's leaning hard into like her slimy New York accent. And she says, look who's here, the teenage tramp here to screw your daddy. I I know why it's just an open secret. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's obvious. Yeah, nobody bats an eye at it in this movie. Like, it's just accepted that, yeah, she sleeps with her dad and has been since she was a kid. What's that Woody Allen film where he's like this grown ass, like late 30s year old man, like dating a a teenager and all of his friends are just like, wow, all right. Uh, That's Manhattan. Yeah, okay. It's like that. (laughs) Everyone's just so... So unaffected. Yeah, I I will say, I don't know if Woody Allen is guilty of the um, things he's accused of or not. Um, I I can't really get a read on it. Uh, And and I think that relationship in that film between him and Miro Hemingway, like I get get what it does thematically, uh, but that it's the most difficult part of the movie to watch. Like it is disturbing and feels predatory. Like I think it, we're supposed to find it ironic because um, she is more mature than Woody Allen in the context of the movie, but writing in a relationship between you and like a 16 year old girl doesn't justify the irony. It definitely probably did not look good in court. Well, it, I think it has led to to some tarnishment or tarnishing of that that movie's reputation for sure. Anyway, um, the stepmom is saying that she knows why Janie's there and that Janie can't have him. And Janie responds, "You disgust him. He's been waiting for me to come." And they get into a debate about whether the Roberta is just there for the dad's money. It really doesn't seem like he has any money to take. I thought that was really odd. At some point, Janie tells her, all you think about is money. And (laughs) Roberta says, and what do you think about? And Janie says, my father. And Roberta replies, well, he doesn't think about you. I think we heard that in the trailer. Yeah. How did you like this whole exchange between Janie and Roberta? Keep in mind, the rock soundtrack is going on the entire time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's not stopped at all. Uh, It doesn't feel natural just because there's just so many things that are flying under the radar. 
that nobody is talking about or everyone's just assuming is normal, which my experience with this like complete sleaze genre is probably nowhere near as uh, extensive as yours. But this is probably commonplace, right? In this genre, that's just kind of just how I assumed it had to be. Oh, what the father daughter relationship? Well, not just the incest, but the 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 nonchalance towards that incest or any of the other taboos that just happen to be in whatever film you're watching, where nobody acts like it's abnormal. Everyone's just treating it as it's just another thing. I don't know. I really haven't seen a case like this in another movie where like incest is central to the plot and it's normalized. Usually it's played for shock value, right? But what about female trouble, right? Like female trouble plays a lot of things sort of straight. I mean, it's not quite the same as this film, but no, because female trouble is, is aware of the irony, right? Like it's, you have to view everything in female trouble through the lens of John Waters sense of humor, but I can't tell if they're trying to joke here or if it's supposed to shock us and be disturbing or if it's just supposed to be normal in the context of the movie it's played more like the latter like or is it poor writing i I don't know like maybe the screenwriter didn't consider that well roberta is saying that she's not going anywhere and that she's gonna live longer than than the dad and maybe even janey and she says why don't you get out of here you bitch I'm tired of looking at your face, <laughs> which which is a line right out of a John Waters movie. But again, said unironically. So Janie strangles her with a belt and drags her into the bathtub. And she's telling this all to her dad. But at this point, it's clear her dad doesn't believe her. And at some point, the voiceover narration even says, like, if he doesn't believe you now, he will in a minute. I couldn't tell up to this point whether he believed everything she was saying or not. Apparently, post-nut clarity did not exist in the 70s. This man is completely unprepared for what's about to happen. Yeah, so uh, Janie even says something like, uh, you don't believe me. And he says it's exciting. It, It excites him when she talks like this. And he thinks she's just making things up to get him riled up. And Janie's like, she's in the bathtub, go look. But the dad still doesn't. They go about a whole thing where like they sit at the kitchen table and make out a lot and talk. And Hold so- a parakeet. Yeah, they, they play with a parakeet. Someone calls on the phone looking for Roberta. And that's when he finally goes into the bathroom and finds her dead. Man, like we haven't mentioned this at all, but like in this scene, he is like shirtless with like jeans and a belt with like glasses like tucked behind his ears on his head like he he looks like a dad this isn't some sort of like 70s setup where you just get like some hot dude and slap a a title on him or something like this guy looks like a dad yeah no i would say that uh but like a sleazy dad right yeah he's um like he's about as charming as a as like a jet fuel leak into a hawaiian aquifer (laughs) that's a good comparison he's um he's not he's not your wholesome like family values guy he looks like a guy who would be sleeping with his daughter but yeah janie is supposed to be i think 17 or maybe 18 um she looks about 30 and i don't know how old he's supposed to be but he looks about like mid to late 50s you think yeah probably mid to late 50s it's kind of hard to tell though man because the people were doing some hard drugs back then (laughs) and this guy looks like he's been doing some hard drugs yeah so he is furious um he grabs janie and he's shaking her and he's saying a bunch of stuff but we don't hear any of it all we hear is his voice saying janie 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 over and over again and she's just shaking her head and looking confused like she has no idea what's wrong i don't know why they dubbed over whatever other dialogue he had maybe it didn't pick up in the recording or given his mumbling that is totally possible yeah 
I mean, why do you think this guy's so outraged, right? Because, I mean, this this is this is a guy who is ethically okay with fucking his daughter, but murder is is definitely too far. How could you, Janie? Well, he says that all her talk of murder turned him on, so he seems to be okay with it as a fantasy. But he also says that he likes Roberta, that like like Janie keeps saying things like, you don't need her, like maybe she's gone. Um, and he's like, no, she takes care of the place, like she cooks for me. And Janie's like, well, now I'll do those things. And he says something like, well, you're not much of a housekeeper. And she says, no, I've gotten better. So I don't think he really wanted Roberta to be, to leave or get killed. But anyway, we see her, Janie, in a mental hospital. And she's just saying, Daddy, where are you, Daddy? Daddy. And that's the end of the movie. What an ending. Get committed. <laughs> I mean, they didn't dedicate a lot of time to it. <laughs> no, it might be one of the uh, more abrupt uh, transitions I've seen. Anyway, we're here at the end. Why don't you give your final thoughts and a rating out of five or four for uh, Janie? <laughs> this is this is going to be short. You, you have what is probably textbook 70s theater sleaze with violence, incest, homosexuality, underage sexual deviance, murder, uh, and domestic violence. You know, they, it's, it's one of those films where they take, they take the, the list of shit that most people don't want to see in a movie and they throw it in there. Right? Like we just discussed this. This is what they're trying to do. Shock value to sell tickets most likely. And if you turn someone on in the process, even better, <laughs> this movie uh, does does stand out though because of its composition it's it does watch like like a you know hour-long music video experience with a bunch of messed up shit happening in the background and sometimes you get some dialogue outside of the voiceovers and and janie's actress you, you kind of have trouble understanding anybody else but it doesn't matter because uh the context is is basically played out in all of the action there's nothing confusing here there's no twist ending everything's just laid bare no greater messaging you're 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 just here for the depravity if this movie was longer it definitely would have been a detriment but it sits around just long enough to be a pretty entertaining watch i don't know how exactly you would recommend this to people I do think the best way to expose someone to it would probably be at like a party or something where you have it on in the background to as a conversation piece, uh, assuming you run with people that are okay with all of these things <laughs> to some degree uh, being portrayed. Uh, I'm going to go with like a, a solid two stars just because this movie can be used as a, as, as like a, like a background piece. I really feel like that's the, the number one, like the number one uh, selling feature of this film. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but I really like the idea of having this on in the background when like a group of people are mingling. Uh, in fact, I would rather have it on with people who would be disapproving just to see their reactions. Um, But this movie feels like it was made specifically for me. I don't know why exactly I respond to it. Um, as I've said, it certainly has no uh, redeeming value whatsoever. Uh, there's no sense of morality here, but everything is played straight and unironically. Like, this might be the content of a John Waters movie, but instead of his sense of humor, you have an acid rock soundtrack and a bunch of hazy visuals and people who seem to be in drug-induced stupors as they talk. It's it's an odd experience, and there's not one quite like it. I am a fan of the music. I would enjoy listening to this music uh, with or without the film, but with the visuals of the film, uh, it's made even better. 
Um, I'm really tempted to give this four stars, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that's so grossly inappropriate for the caliber of this film. Um, I'm going to give it three. <laughs> but I really am tempted to give more. Um, it, it's just a really unique experience. If, if there was a grindhouse entry in an encyclopedia, this should be the movie that's pictured. Like, if you want a movie that is going to transport you into the sleazy, seedy uh, movie theaters of 42nd Street, New York in the 70s, uh, watch Janie. You'll be there. And it so evokes that setting and that aura that I strongly recommend it if you're a fan of this podcast or the types of movies we discuss. And I'd love to see it get like a legitimate remastered release. Although maybe the best way to watch it is with this quality of film stock and everything. I'm not sure you'd want to polish up this movie. No, I mean, there's definitely parts of this. I mean, I don't think it's... Uh... It might not even be specific to the copy that we watched, but the film is definitely damaged at parts. Scrapes going up and down, that sort of thing. Yeah, I wonder if there's like like an original master of this movie somewhere, um, or if they're going to discover one someday in a, in a janitorial closet like they did with The Passion of Joan of Arc. Um, something like that. But anyway, that is it for Janie. Next week, uh, we are doing another movie that is little seen, but I am very excited to talk about. It's from 1984, uh, shot on video by James Robert Baker. Uh, the film is Blonde Death. Leland, this will be a new watch for you, right? That's right. If you were a fan of, our, um, of us doing Creep a few episodes ago, I think you'll appreciate Blonde Death. It's got the same sort of personality and sense of humor, I think. Um, very amateurishly made. Uh, the musical, the soundtrack is done by um, an early version uh, or an early incarnation, early work by the Angry Samoans. So if you're familiar with them, um, this might be... Uh, one of their least well-known or appreciated works. This one can actually be found on... Actually, can it be found? Fuck. Let me look real quick. I have a VHS release of this by Mondo Macabre. I don't know if it actually got a VHS release in the 80s. So you can, you can find this on uh, the Internet Archive. So I know my VHS was put out by Mondo Macabre, and I know it's out of print, but um, you can get the DVD on their website for 15 bucks. Uh, I'm going to read part of their description. It says, Shot on $2,000 by James Dillinger, a.k.a. James Robert Baker, a playwright, novelist, anarchist who was once described as the world's angriest gay man. Blonde Death is a major triumph in the shot on video universe. The movie wages war on suburban America, attacking the concepts of family and love with murderous wit. Blonde Death draws possible dismissive comparisons to early John Waters, but it's as strong as Waters' best. At the age of 51, Baker chose to end his life via carbon monoxide poisoning in his garage, exactly how two of his lead characters perish in Blonde Death. This was his supreme bird flip to the world. Though we wish he could be alive to experience this praise of his work, the brilliant and overlooked James Robert Baker, to his credit, wouldn't care. And I agree with all of that. Um, if you have not seen Blonde Death, and I hear a lot of people who really love shot on video films and just never talk about this one. Um, it may be because it didn't have a VHS release in the 80s, uh, but that shouldn't stop you. You should um, definitely track this down and check it out. And again, you can find it on the Internet Archive. So this one is actually findable on streaming cool 
So go check out Blonde Death from 1984 and join us next week to hear us uh, talk about it. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares uh, where I post everything that we do. And um, yeah, reach out to us. We'd look forward to hearing from you. Please rate, review, and subscribe uh, wherever you're listening. That would really help us out. Uh, Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week about Blonde Death.